Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims. Killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them. And that he was also a necrophiliac. You are now listening to Grinding True Crimes with your host, Maddie Mack. Todd Fox, Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with our narrator for today, Todd Fox, and the other host of the show, Gabby. And we are back live once again. Sorry for the long hiatus. We have life has just hit us, and we had a pretty busy schedule, so sorry for the uh, weeks of non-recording but guess what ladies and gentlemen your favorite trio are back and we are here live so to let you guys know you can find us on instagram and facebook follow our page the grinding true crime uh page and if you just want to listen to us on your in your earphones or on your radio go to podbean spotify anchors itunes and pandora and just type in grinding true crime podcast and listen to some of our past recordings and for those who are listening outside of the country and we know you are listening. Thank you so much for your support. You can find us on Podchaser, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cash. And also, for those who want to support our show and support us, you can go to redbubble.com, type in Todd Fox 80 for some merchandise. Also, one more thing, ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening to us and you are sub- subscribed to our page, or if you just listen to us for the first time, please give us a five-star rating. It really helps us out. And if you don't give us a five-star rating, we'll find you. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> and also, last thing, listeners' discretion is always advised because we do sometimes give details of uh, nature of the true crime, and it could be uh, disturbing to young ones and people who have a pain of heart. So listeners' discretion is advised <sighs> man that took a long time didn't it <laughs> <laughs> that was a mouthful that was that was um with all that being said todd fox said he's got something for us and uh we're gonna turn our attention to him todd break it down man what do you got for today okay well our case is from danvers massachusetts wow yeah. Now, it was formerly um, it was formerly the village of Salem. What do you guys think of uh, when you think when you think of Salem? The first thing that come to my mind when I think of Salem are witches. Yes. Yes. Um, they actually the town of <clears throat> the town of Danvers um, was uh, famous for that, uh, and because it was one of the Salem uh, cities at the time that was uh doing the witch hunts and the you know the 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 trials and the lynchings of a lot of so-called uh witches back in the day so so that stuff was true right the salem witch project and all that stuff that was based off of a true story correct yeah that's uh, all in that eastern region of massachusetts boy i don't know what you're doing in massachusetts but i'm not going there (laughs) (laughs) yeah basically it's like she's cooking that meatloaf again um, constable, she's a witch, and then like, <laughs> off to the trial you go. 
<laughs> is that what it was? Yeah, she she didn't use an oven or nothing or whatever they used back then to to make the meatloaf. It's like no, I saw her uh, like use these special powers and you know, and then like you're a witch and you get lynched, man. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> but that's what oh. that's what sums it up. Um, all right. Yeah. So because of all that negative uh, publicity, gee, I wonder why um, Danvers <laughs> became the new name in the late 1800s. So they switched the name over to Danvers. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so it's a it's a Isn't nice uh, Miss Marvel's last name Carl Danvers. You know what? I have not followed Marvel lately, so I have no <laughs> idea, man. I, I'm not excited about that new movie either. That looks oh pretty God, weird. I already know why. Looks Which really one? lame. Miss Marvel, Captain oh, Marvel. Dear. Well, not just Captain Marvel, but the the new one uh, where they're trying to protect the, the the world again for like the five thousandth time lately. Oh, the celestial. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, like, yeah. Like right away in the teaser, they're all like, "Hey, you know what? Uh, we weren't uh, we weren't supposed to intervene when the world was going to crap before, and we we could have ended Thanos, but no, we're not supposed to. Okay, whatever. <laughs> all right, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to the story. Got you. Uh, <laughs> so the, the town of Danvers is home to about 28,000 residents today. It's about 100 miles north of Boston, Massachusetts. Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah. And it's it's a quiet suburb, quiet city. Um, it's a destination for tourists to relive, relive all the history of the Civil War because that's the Civil War took place up in that area too. Uh, there's a lot of uh, historic areas. Um, also, it, you know, a lot of people, like we said earlier, go up there to check out the uh, Salem Witches stuff. Uh, a lot of stuff about that, a lot of history there. And then you have those people that Family Guy always makes fun of, which is the people that chase the leaves that fall. Is that true? The changing color, yeah, yeah. That's there are people that do that. Oh yeah, they annoy the residents up there all all uh, around that time of year. So. <laughs> I thought that was a, I thought that was a, you know, just a little inside joke Peter did, but. Apparently it's true. It is true because you know how sometimes over here in the summer we have all the East Coast people visiting the West Coast. They annoy us. Well, we annoy them in, in the uh, the the winter or fall. You know, and we go over there and you know just uh, you know pack all their facilities or restaurants or you know over park and take pictures of stuff. And yeah, we're we're pretty annoying too on the <laughs> East Coast. So, sorry right, guys. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> our first player in this story is a 24-year-old by the name of Colleen Elizabeth Ritzer. Uh-oh, a lady. A lady, yeah. Uh, Colleen grew up in the area of Danvers, uh, one of three sisters. Uh, she was always the helpful, lovable, and honest sibling and a friend to all of those around her. Uh, she had a knack for helping people and being there when uh, they were going through things. She was always a listening ear. Um, <clears throat> growing up, she wanted to be a teacher and she accomplished that at the age of 22. Wow. That's actually not bad. Yeah. She, she, she got into this one pretty early. And so she was a substitute for almost two years before she became a full-time teacher uh, at the age of 24 at Danvers high school. So she stayed pretty close to where she lived. Okay. Um, from the start, she was a very hands-on teacher and easy to talk to, very approachable. She was very knowledgeable and very in tune with social media, posting inspirational quotes, jokes, and also guides to the curriculum in her class, which was math. Um, she made uh, she she made uh, the uh, she was very personable too, 
to those online who needed to talk to her via private message uh, for for things that are going on in their life or just you know advice in general um, many many of her students hated math prior to, to uh, getting into her class but became uh, became to love math because of the way she taught math made it fun and easy with guides to accomplish the work so she was one of those teachers that I think everyone has had in their lifetime where you're like okay i hate the other five periods of school but i can't <laughs> but, wait to get the sixth period is the best one <laughs> yeah yeah basically i mean she like whether you found the teacher attractive or just cool or the fact that they made the class fun you know i'm about to make you laugh right here todd nice oh <laughs> well i mean if you see a picture of her she was very attractive so nice yeah <laughs> <laughs> So uh, this will now for all you South Park people, you'll know why I said nice. Yes, we've referenced that episode a few times. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, but yeah, she she was uh, she became very lovable in the school. A lot of people uh, liked her, like I said, and um, she was ra- rising up the uh, the ladder of good teachers. You know, she was very uh, very hands on and, be- and helped the kids out with after school programs. So she was she was very good at what she did. Okay. It, she showed her passion okay so this will now bring us to the date and what happens when we bring up a date usually something bad happens correct correct um or dies yes that has been the theme with our show since the start no matter who tells the story we we all put up a date it's like uh uh-oh here we go (laughs) (laughs) so um so you're right, October 22nd, 2013. So this is not too long ago. Yeah, it's pretty recent. Yeah, pretty recent. And this was all over the news, too. So you may have heard about this one, but we'll see. Why didn't we hear about it? I don't know. You may have heard about this one. You might may be like, oh, I remember that one, because there's some stuff to this. Watch. It's It's got a few twists and turns that will throw you a little bit. You got some twists. Oh, got to have the twists. Um, so... School is over at about uh, two two thirty in the afternoon, roughly around there, uh, maybe two fifteen. Uh, but this time is about three twenty in the afternoon. Colleen is seen on security footage, aka the cameras, in the school, walking out of her classroom, talking to another teacher who was locking up the door for the rest of the day and making her way to the women's restroom. Okay, sounds normal. <clears throat> so keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Okay. So she was headed to the restroom that was on the, the video camera. Got it. So fast forward now to 6.30 in the evening time, same day. Colleen lives with her mother and father, Thomas and Peggy Ritzer. She had a younger sibling and a younger sister by the name of Laura, who also lived there with her. She was about like 15 at the time. Did you say Laura? Yes. Got it. So so all three were waiting for her to return home because they were supposed to have dinner together. Mm. So after so after 6:30, Tom the father got into his car and drove down to the school because she wasn't answering her cell phone. Uh, yeah, and and then the cell phone actually went to uh voicemail. So it was Uh-oh. like yeah, it was like turned off. And <clears throat> they live approximately 3 miles from the school. So they're they're in the same area. Um, he would enter the school which was still open at the time because of your people meaning matt your custodian buddies are the ones that are still there you know it yeah so (laughs) you guys are doing your work so he was able to enter the school explain his situation and um, he went to her classroom 
all the other classrooms were were closed at this point, but hers was wide open. Mm. Yeah. And then what was even more alarming is he went outside to the faculty parking lot and her car was there. Mm. Yeah. Um, so puzzled by this, worried by this, he talked to any faculty that he could find that was still on campus, which there wasn't many at this time. As you know, around 630, everyone is like deuces. They've been gone since like four. Um, so he just talked to, you know, custodian workers, maintenance people, stuff like that. And they had not seen her. Um, so now at the same time this is going on, that Thomas is freaking out about his daughter up at the school, uh, Miss Chisholm is the mother of Philip Chisholm, who is 14 years old. And she had gotten a call from the soccer coach saying that your son has missed practice and he's missed and he's not here at the mandatory meeting, which took place at 6 p.m. Um, this is a high school, you said, huh? Yes, this is a high school. Yeah. Okay. So um, frustrated because uh, he's a freshman. So he's a freshman at this time. Okay. Uh, frustrated, she tried calling him and so did the coach and it went straight to voicemail. So uh, they're they're freaked out. So now it's 9 p.m. Fast forward. Phillips still hasn't heard anything uh, or Phillips mom still hasn't heard anything. Uh, the coach hasn't heard anything. Uh, the coach then calls the principal and then the principal sends out a mass email to the teachers and the faculty and says, hey, we are missing a child. Like, does anyone know anything? Wow. When's the last time you've seen uh, Philip? So also at this time, Tom contacted the principal as well to let them know that his that his daughter, the math teacher, is missing and her car is still up at the school. Mm. Yeah. So <clears throat> right away, um, the emails turn out to, hey, look for the teacher as well. And at the same time, around nine o'clock, uh, nine thirty, Thomas calls into the police department and lets them know what's going on. And then also uh, 20 minutes later after that, the mom of, of Chisholm with uh, Philip, she contacts the authorities as well. Wow. So two people, so two are people in the same school are missing. Yes. At the same time. At the same time. Yeah. So um, it's a close knit community. A lot of the <laughs> teachers live in the community. A lot of the parents heard about this as well. The ones that are on the um the PTA, as as Matt would know, again he you know he works in the school district. A busy yes, I do. School district, <laughs> and you let the and usually some PTAs are good, some aren't. But the ones that are good, they they spring into action when stuff like this happens. Absolutely. Yeah. So on this one, uh, they sprung into action. Uh, a lot of the teachers, along with parents, arrived at the school, and were searching and looking for anything out of place. Um, when they arrived, they didn't see anything disturbed in her classroom, uh, but they were still searching the, the school and everything else like that. Um, but one of the teachers um, had reminded the faculty that Philip, his last, his sixth period class was with Colleen. So um, that links the two right there. Yep. Yeah. So right away, the police and the faculty become suspicious that both are missing at the same time. So to get to know Philip Chisholm, let's talk about him real quick. Um, okay. He was born in 1999 to, to interracial parents in Tennessee. 
Really? Yeah. So he was in Tennessee for a little while. Um, his dad left the mom, and this traumatized, uh, you know, because there was there was there's there was some sort of abuse at the time. I don't know if it was they didn't specify if it was verbal or if it was actual physical. Uh, with the family in general, with the parents fighting, or with him, but either way, he was traumatized from his time in Tennessee, mm. and they moved to Danvers, Massachusetts. Him and his mom just two years prior. So, um, but his he was like I said, fourteen at the time, but he spent twelve years in Tennessee. Got it. Yeah. So um, when they got to Danvers, Massachusetts, and he began to attend high school that year, people would say that he was very closed off reserved wouldn't talk to too many people um but he excelled in soccer was a smart kid um but stuck to himself and was a little awkward and he was kind of tall for his age too he was like already six feet wow yeah he sounds zippy yeah so far right So at 11.20 now, it's 11.20 that same evening. So this is almost eight hours after no one's heard from either one of these two. Uh, The Danvers Police Department began to ping their cell phones. Now this is, again, (laughs) if you were to be in L.A., New York, Texas, Chicago, and you have a missing person, what do they usually tell you? (sighs) Wait 24 hours? At least. But here in a small town or like in a suburb and you get right on it. Yeah. And you've got nothing really to do except, hey, uh, Bailey, (laughs) what color are the leaves? And they're like, still burgundy, Ron. (laughs) Okay, let me know when they're brown. (laughs) I thought they was in the East Coast. (laughs) There's some hicks in some of those towns. (laughs) I'm trying to incorporate them everywhere. It's like we do it. <laughs> if we do a China story, I'm going to have some Chinese dicks. You know, I don't know. It's all That's for the fun. signature voice. It's all for fun, guys. We're yeah. not racist. Exactly. signature accent, okay? Look, I'm trying to learn more accents, all right? <laughs> exactly, Gabby. <laughs> oh, my God. Somehow it always happens to be Billy, though. It's got to be Billy. <laughs> everywhere i know i just i just picture like a portly like guy with a you know even though he's supposed to be wearing a police uniform he somehow still has overalls on and his feet kicked up on his desk what a tooth gap yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) looking like the white michael strahan (laughs) you know what i thought about what's his name from scream oh um the big guy (laughs) doofy Oh, yeah, Doofy. There you go. (laughs) Uh, Oh, my God. Moving on. Yeah, moving on. Uh, So right away, they do what they do here like a day or two after something happens. They actually, within the first eight hours, they start going to the cell phone companies and getting the pings of their last known locations. Well, that's good. That's quick, right? Yeah. So her cell phone pinged 24 minutes away from the school, which is interesting. Oh, wow. With no car, right? <clears throat> so um, then then they would ping Phillips. So it's not like they were saying, okay, the, the, the kid's interracial. We're not taking care of him, obviously being racist. They're, they're, they're just good for them. They're just as uh, concerned for him as they are for her. 
Absolutely. So, so they ping his cell phone, and it actually is registered or comes up at the Hollywood Cinema in downtown Danvers. So what? So it's not the same area where hers was, or yes? No, it's different. Different area. Wow. Yeah. So now they're like, okay, what's going on here? They're trying yeah, exactly. To so they send out cops to both locations, and uh, when the police arrived at the theater, Philip was nowhere to be seen, and uh, checking his last known, uh, in, and they didn't find anything showing that he was there and checking the last known location where Colleen was there was really nothing to see it was the side of a highway and they just did not see anything they couldn't find anything so they're like they're perplexed like okay why is it pinging here and he's not at the theater what was he doing at theater what was she on a road by herself I mean or was she by herself like there's so many questions um so at this time uh Danvers Police Department including the Department of uh Jason, the other city next to uh, uh, Danvers, began to join in the uh, the, uh, the search. Also, the uh, state police would get involved, and Damn. that's that's all within nine hours. So it's Dang. it's midnight. Um, so again, it's midnight, and the police would then go into the school to take a look and do a thorough search, as they put a couple detectives on it, and they went to the second floor bathroom at the school, and lo and behold. They found blood spatter in one of the stalls. Get out. <clears throat> yeah, blood spatter. Oh. Yeah. Um, so at the same time, they're doing this. Like, this is all happening at the same time. Uh, a search of the area around the area where her phone pinged finally found some, some things. As they were going deeper into the woods, they found her purse. And another thing that raised alarms was there was no cell phone. No cash, no credit cards, nothing. It had been cleaned out. Wow. Yeah. And then just 20 minutes later, a motorist driving down Highway 1 just outside of Danvers uh, called in a pedestrian walking. You know how you're like on the freeway, you're not supposed to be on the highway or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, on the shoulder, but walking. Like if you're going eastbound, the person's walking westbound towards traffic. Mm -hmm. That's what this person was doing, and they called it in. And told the state police, hey, we have a pedestrian on the highway. They're walking backwards on the shoulder. It's dangerous. They could get hit. Wow. Yeah. So, Who was uh, it? Well, the state police came over and, uh, you know, responded and then came over to the person. And they, they, uh, it wound up being Philip Chisholm. Mm. Yeah. Um, once they patted, uh, Philip Chisholm down, they searched him and asked him what he was doing. They, they found a backpack on him and everything. They're like, hey, man, everyone's missing you. Your mom's worried, sick about you. What are you doing out here so late? Are you are you having a moment? Are, I mean, do you are you on meds? Are you off meds? Uh, you know, are, are you high? Things like they're asking all the questions because they're concerned. But one of the state troopers goes into his backpack and finds a knife and a bloody box cutter and the credit cards belonging to Colleen. Uh-oh. Well, we found our uh, suspect. Yes. And what makes things worse is they searched him and found uh, her underwear in his pocket. Well, I mean, uh, if you just want to get arrested, you might as well just do exactly what he did. Yeah, there's no there's no uh, shame in his game so far. Jesus Christ. Right? Dang. Yeah. <laughs> so... What do you, what do you uh what do you think he said to the police when confronted when they showed him all the things that they found on him? <laughs> I don't know how I got there. 
Okay. <laughs> Somebody put it on him. Well, close. Cl- G- Gabby's a little closer, but I think I would have went with Matt's if I were him too, because uh, he put uh, initially uh, uh, when when they like uh, when they asked him about Colleen stuff and everything, he stated he found them at a stop and shop on my way home from the theater. So he put himself at the theater without them asking. But he said he went to a stop and shop, which is sort of like a um, here on the West Coast, like a uh, I want to say like a DD's or like a um, a Ross, something like oh, that. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So he happened to find her underwear and knew they were hers, so he stuck them in his pocket. Yes. Makes sense to me. Yes. <laughs> and then, and then when they asked him the same question, sort of just like how Gabby asked it, like, "Come on, bro!" Like, <laughs> then, he's like, he's like, "Let me sniff him." Yep, that's Miss. Uh, oh, that's come Miss, on, man! Miss Colleen's chomp. Miss Colleen. Yeah, let me put him in my backpack and give it to her. Like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then, then he said that he found them in a car, which was uh, parked next to the theater with a door open. Like he just oh, happened. Yeah. He happened to peek in, and they were everything was right there. He is definitely fourteen. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, so the, he, he didn't call the cops or anything. He just decided to pick it up for her. Exactly. So, so with all that being said, do you think the cops? What, what do you think the cops asked him about next? Oh, I thought they I thought they said book him, Johnson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm assuming they asked him. Well, where is Miss Colleen? That's one thing. But what do you think they? What, what was the next question once he said, that, "Oh, I found all this stuff." What was he going to do with it? Close, but they asked him where the blood come from on the. Uh, mm. On the you know because he was trying to say that none of this stuff had was incriminating. Babe, our detective work isn't working today. Well, yeah, you know, I, I usually fail anyway. <laughs> I know Gabby's been on a roll lately. <laughs> uh, so, um, so they asked him about the blood, huh? Yeah, they said, "Hey, wh- what about this blood? There's blood all over this box cutter." To this, he said, in the coldest voice, the detective said, "The girl." He just said the girl. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so then the police the police would say right away, okay, do you know where she is? Is she okay? How can we help her? Ooh. His words exactly like and I'll quote, he said, She's in the woods and she's beyond help. Oh. Yeah. That I mean, Dang. and the, the cops were blown away. They're like what the hell um he wouldn't say it at first um for a good 35 minutes though especially with his mom in the room but he said these things after uh he signed a paper saying he did not want his mom present in the interrogation room and that he would open up yeah well there's this confession sort of he just said those things and then the only other thing he said was they asked him, okay, where is she at? We need to find her, blah, blah, blah. He, they pulled out a map, and he basically just did the whole finger point, and that was it. And he just shut down. Was he like in a zombie state? They didn't say. They just said he looked very cold and, like, not really no emotion whatsoever. Like, no. Yeah. He was out of it. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so... With the evidence that he gave them or the direction, the officers were sent out. They sent out big search crew, 
and it was at 3 a.m. the next, uh, well, you know, it already turned into the next day, uh, 3 a.m. that they would find her body 30 minutes um, uh, from when he, they were first told. And uh, they found her in a horrific way. Uh, how, how do you think she was found, first off? Let's let's see, let's see if you guys can come close to this. Because this, okay. this is going to be, I mean, if you guys get this, you've either heard the story or you're extremely lucky. I'd say go to Vegas. Okay. Now, the theme of this is Salem. And we all know that Salem has to do with witches. So I'm going to assume she was found on a stake with, like, symbols cut through her stomach or something on her body. And she had a, a witch hat on or something. Witch hat. No, I don't know. No, no but that would, that, would, um, that would make sense. But no. Dang it. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, let me take my guess. I'm gonna relate to Matt's idea, the whole witches thing, but I'm gonna say there was like that Star of David thing sign and she was in the middle, all cut up and pinned to the floor with her I mean clearly he had her underwear. Mm. I would say she's tied like with her legs and arms open. Something in her mouth. Or maybe burnt. Maybe I focused too much on Salem. <laughs> it wasn't. Uh, it didn't. In have other to... words, we way off on talk. Yeah, yeah. But but, but yeah, I will say though, I've heard of cases like that, and you guys aren't far off from describing some of the uh, tortures that some people have done to bodies. So, you know that I probably shouldn't have focused too much on Salem. But you guys are barking up the right tree, judging on that. So I'll give you that. I'll give you a half point for that. But on this case, we're we're dead wrong. No. Yeah, you're dead wrong. <laughs> Dang it, Todd. Dang you ruined it. it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, they well, un- they unfortunately show up to her. Um, she is completely naked, uh, with her face down, in uh, kind of covered up in dirt, and her head, and or the back of her body, her backside, pointing towards the sky. Um, she had been raped, strangled. And her throat was hacked up viciously um, with with the box cutter. And um, the worst part of all is that she had a two to three foot long tree branch inserted into her vagina. Yeah. Yo. Yeah. And there was a lot of blood everywhere. There was also a big recycling bin, like the ones you roll out of your driveway and have the trash trucks picked up. That was right there. So judging by that, they were thinking, okay, that was what she was in uh, to get to that point. Um, there was also bloody gloves uh, and Yo. also a uh, pair of pants that were soaked in blood that were presumably his that he left at the crime scene and a handwritten note that says, I hate all of you in big, bold letters. Okay. Okay. All right. Are you trying Let's to process this? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Let's go. Let's go back. Bro. Okay. A two to three foot branch. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, that man had a demon. Yeah, he wasn't a man. Well, okay. Yeah, you're right. That little kid had a demon. The yeah. only thing I hope was if she was already gone when he did that. Well, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to okay. That. I honestly doubt it. 
if he is that horrific and disgusting, I don't think she was dead when he did that. Well, clearly he must have busted her open at, uh, not, not like that, but probably hit her head at the school because it was blood splatter, right? Yeah. So he must have knocked <clears throat> her out unconscious with a blunt object. Which means it happened at 2.30 when she went to the bathroom. Yeah. And then he... We're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay. <laughs> well, we got, trying to get the whole case. You guys are on the right track. So that, that there you go. Um, so what happened was um, Philip, like I said, had shut down. Did not want to talk. He's done. He figured. He told him exactly what he needed to tell him. They could figure out the rest themselves. So this guy's stone cold right now. They are detectives. Yeah, and so they put their detective hats on, and they went to school and to to Danvers High in the morning. And they realized that Danvers High had over a hundred CCTV cameras throughout the, yeah, throughout the school on the outside, everything. So uh, they figured, you know what, we're going to have to send our best investigators, a team of them, and we're going to have to watch every freaking camera angle from the time that this went on till afterwards and try to piece it all together. So that's what they did for the next two days. They were just piecing together all the footage. Now, what I'm, what I did on the side a couple days ago, is I got the video that they had put together. They released this not too long ago. So after this, if you guys are hearing the story and you want to see the actual video, um, it'll show almost the entire thing. It won't show the killing, but it will show just about everything that led up to it and then afterwards and you could see how calculated and how crazy this whole thing was so it'll all come to view instead of just me explaining it and you can see that on grinding true crime on facebook so it'll be up there um Mm. so as they're going through all the footage they're interviewing students and uh one of them told of a story uh that she kind of ran into something in the bathroom so she told her story and then Colleen's teacher had uh, one or one of uh, one of the Colleen's students had said also that there was an altercation or a issue in that sixth period class where the teacher brought up Tennessee and kind of made a joke of the city or the state. And he took exception to this and they kind of went back and forth to where she apologized and tried to smooth things over because she saw that saying Tennessee for whatever reason set him off. And he just wasn't having it, and he was like mumbling to himself, like really pissed off. So that's what, yeah, that's what she remembered happening in the class in the sixth period. So, on that same day, yeah, on that same day, that same period, the sixth period, yeah. Um, He reacted quick. Yeah, yeah. So. So again, like if you want to see what happens after this, the footage, it'll explain more. But I'm going to get into and give you like basically what happened in a nutshell. Okay. Uh, so so what happens here is um, on CCTV, uh, which is the uh, closed circuit television, you know, whatever, you know, video mm-hmm. camera. Colleen will be talking to a fellow teacher for about two minutes. She then leaves her class. You see her uh, approach uh, or leave the class exchange pleasantries with another teacher walking in the opposite direction the next camera shows her heading for the second floor upstairs bathroom Uh, as soon as she breaks off from that camera 
the other camera goes back to our boy Philip Chisholm, who was wearing a light blue, uh, sky blue hoodie and pants. And he kind of peers out of the class, looks at her for a minute, walking away. And then it almost is like one of those moments where, okay, if I do this, like, this will change my life. If I just go back into classroom, do the rest of my stuff and leave, this never happens. It's, it's you know, it's never going to be a thing. My life is completely sane and I move on. He goes back into the class, which is interesting for about 10 seconds. And then he turns around with full conviction on and a different step in his walk with his hoodie over his head and now walking with purpose. Like when he popped out first time out of the classroom, he looked very nervous, very anxious, looked uh, unconvinced of what he did. It's a, it's crazy, guys, how he walks into the class and then mm. comes right back out. Like a, he, like like a demon overtook him as soon as he came in that class. He was different coming out. I told you, you got a demon. It, yeah, you were right. I mean, it was scary <laughs> to see how he comes out. It really is. Okay. Um, so he comes out with that <laughs> new boost with a hoodie on and everything, walking towards the bathroom, following her, right? Um, she walks into the bathroom like no – like like nothing happened. It's uh the timestamps are on there. I explained it in the video, but I believe at the time it's like two fifty six, something like that. It's two fifty six. Um, he walks into the bathroom, and immediately, just a few minutes later, you know, he follows her in. He puts gloves on. You see him put the gloves on before he goes in the bathroom. It, the the camera view is basically picking up the the woman's door to the um you know from afar the water faucet in the middle and then the men's on the right. So, you know, you have the two bathrooms and the water faucet in the middle. She goes in, he follows her like within 30 seconds of her going in there. And as, as he does, um, a a female student comes in there about 10 minutes later or less. And then she goes in, it shows her on camera going in 10 seconds later, she walks out and you're like, wait, what and then he follows that girl out but then decides to leave her alone and goes back into the restroom what happens is she saw um she saw two legs hanging out of the bathroom stall like like on her knees like if a girl is sort of bent over in a bend mm-hmm. you know and like two people are having sex the, the stall door wasn't closed all the way, but she could see sneakers on the ground that looked like boy sneakers. So she assumed it was two fellow students having sex in the bathroom stall. But the reality of it was he strangled her, raped her, and then took the box cutter and stabbed her in the neck 16 times. What? All in that van? All in that all in that time period, and the blood was everywhere. How did the girl not see blood? The only thing I could think of is maybe she came in there, but you know, but no, it doesn't make sense because and he followed yeah. her right, right back out. So I don't know how she didn't see blood. She probably walked in, glanced, and then walked right out. Yeah, she yeah, because she was in and out of there like real fast, like less than ten seconds. And you know, some people are not yeah, very. She walked in when he was strangling. Yeah, he probably walked in when he was strangling her, and, and walked right out. Because some people are very like not observant of details. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, that was ah, man. That was at three oh six. Okay. Um, so, um, 
I know, and, and that's and, and the thing is, when they, the police pressed her and asked her, Can't, you know, did you hear anything? Were there any noises? Was there any struggling? She said, I didn't hear nothing. I didn't, you know, there was no moaning. There was no screaming. Nothing, nothing like that. Um. So like, so, so like she said, her instinct was just to walk out. Like she's not going to go use a restroom with two people having sex in the bathroom. So the police were like, okay, I get it. You know, like it is what it is. Um. So. Over the next hour. Wait a minute. Turn around. Uh-huh. No, I'm sorry. Not to cut you off. No, I'm good. Was this a faculty restroom he she went in or a regular restroom? Because from the schools that I've worked at, they're separate. No, this is a regular restroom. So this is she did That's not go different to a, in the East Coast, I guess. Yeah, she this school, if you see it because of all the camera angles and everything, it shows a, a wide view of the school. The school's fairly new. So it's not like an older school. Um, it's got a lot of amenities. I'm sure it has a faculty restroom. It's just she chose to go to the student restroom. For wow. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. But the interesting thing about this is school got out at 215. This was around 254. And the there is literally hardly any students. I mean, hardly any students in this damn school mm. at, this, at this point. Like, they just booked it. They were gone. Um, uh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so this this is pretty crazy. So he actually leaves the restroom with some bloody clothes of hers. So he's seen with the camera walking out of the restroom. No one sees him. He goes back to the class, puts it into one of his bags, runs back in there and starts grabbing towels and paper stuff and, and starting to clean up the blood, which was everywhere at this point. I mean... I will give the kid this. It took them till midnight to find the the blood spatters. And with her bleeding out, 16 wounds from her neck, it was squirting everywhere. He did a pretty good job of cleaning the toilet and the stall itself, you know, and the floor. Mm. Um, I'll give him that. But the interesting thing is he's also seen walking downstairs with blood on his pants, his right hand because he's like a mocha color skin. He has mocha color skin being mixed ra- biracial, white and black. Mm-hmm. Um, he, his hand is red, clearly on the camera. It's redder than red. Also, this is not no black and white camera. No, no. This, this is this is a full color. That's why if you if you watch the video on our Facebook page, it's full color. And right. he's got blood all over his hand, dude. I mean, it is plain as day. He, he didn't even try to wash it. And he goes downstairs to to the gym locker room. That's where he finally washes his hand. And then he, he changes clothes and then comes upstairs again. So he's doing all this. The body is still in the goddamn stall. That's what I'm saying. There was no custodian on that floor? No, I mean by that. Yeah, he had all this time? Yeah, we're pushing past 315 at this point, And the body is still in the stall. Dang. So he goes up there to clean up one more time. He comes back out. And he runs into a fellow student, which is his soccer buddy and and he's in another outfit so he changes clothes like three or four times so he's now in in different clothes and the kid is trying to talk to him he's like oh you know like he's a little startled he tries to run away and the kids like he has a soccer ball like bro we got to go to practice like like what are you doing and and so he's like oh you know uh yeah uh, you know he's making up excuses or whatever and then the kid kicks the soccer ball to him and then he begrudgingly is like, oh, you're fine. He kicks it back to the kid. The kid's like looking at him. He's like, I'll see you at practice. And he's like, yeah, 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 whatever. And he, you see him book it again downstairs. So it's 3.15 at this point. 
So, Aaron. yeah. He goes, <laughs> he goes downstairs. It's been an hour after school's let out. The kid starts walking towards soccer practice, which starts at, I think, 3.30 or 4 o'clock, something like that. And then they have that team meeting at 6. The next time you see him on camera, he's dragging a recycling bin out from the kitchen. Again, he's... Dude is walking through the entire school. No one's questioning him. That's what him. I'm saying. Unnoticed. Like, yeah. And there's people that you see on the camera walking by him, including two teachers. They say nothing to him, no matter where he's running. Like, he's running through the school. Sometimes he's like, at least you tell the kid, hey, slow down. You know, stop yeah. running. No, they're just like, oh, this kid running through the school. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's carrying up a huge recycling bin upstairs. Yeah, that's, that's cool. There's no, there's no problem with that. What? Yeah. Um, he goes in. It's sh- the next frame. It shows him about around 3:20, bringing the, um, the bin into the restroom. S- six minutes later, her body's in there. So she was dead. Yeah, she was dead. Okay. And and, and he's gotten all the wipes, the paper towels, the rags, threw them all in the trash with her. Um, so again he did a great job of cleaning everything up and then here's the other thing this this is this will throw you off too remember this is 2013 um he has a black ski mask that he puts on mm-hmm. okay um in 2000 in, in 2021 being how it is 2020 being how it was that's a normal thing you're you're considered hey you're saving lives you have a mask on you have a full yeah. mask COVID era. Yeah, exactly. 2013. It's like, hey, 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 what are you doing? What are you stealing? What are you doing there? Yeah. yeah. And exactly, he's um. And then also that he's half black. People are going to assume things, right? You I mean, let's, know it. Let's just see what it is. Let's just get and the elephant. Saw on. him in the mask. They saw him in the mask. A few people saw him in the mask. What? Are you, oh my god. And said, "Hey, okay, Boston." And didn't didn't question the damn thing. And that's the other thing. And you say, okay, Boston. Boston is considered a, a kind of racist town. You know it. That's why I'm saying, okay, Boston. You let one slip by. <laughs> well, maybe they're different in Danvers. Remember, they were actually looking for this kid as a victim. You know what, what I mean? What month was this? Uh, this was October. That's why. Mm. Oh, that could be too. Could be because. Mm. Just... Yep. Well, it wasn't snowing up there, but the leaves were definitely changing colors. Like Billy was. Looking... Were they brown? Uh, I don't know if they were brown at the time, but they were definitely changing colors. Well, that was Halloween time. All the leaves were brown. It was nine days before before uh, Halloween, actually. Yeah, good point. Uh, yeah. So maybe that was wearing all kinds of crap. Yeah, that's true. Um, but he has this mask on, um, with the camera, uh, cameras everywhere, and he's pulling the trash bin out outside. He goes to the front of the school passes two students including two cars that are driving by the interesting part in this video i thought was pretty crazy he walks by a fellow teacher who is either on a smoke break or whatever just walking on the on the sidewalk he has the trash bin on the other side of the sidewalk walking just past the man he's on his cell phone and he has a little dog with him the dog's tail as he's walking by with a trash can goes crazy and the dog barks as he rolls the trash can by and the teacher doesn't say anything, doesn't think it's a wow. suspicious nothing. Wow. Yeah, you would think like, hey, what are you doing taking this trash can? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so the next few frames are just him walking willy-nilly through the damn uh, parking lot. 
with the body in the in the uh, trash bin. <coughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> so at this moment, it's uh, getting closer to f- uh, four. Uh, he disappears off the um, the cameras, heading towards the woods. That's where he apparently took the body and violated her. Um, that's why his uh, again, um, you know. That's why they found her the way they found her, basically. Um, mm. So again, like I said, twenty-four minutes later, he's he's caught on camera walking back to the school, um, passing a few people um, in the parking lot, but them not really taking too much attention to him. He then runs up the stairs on camera. You could see him with bloody pants, and now he, he has no shoes on. And he has a bloody hand again, which means when he was violating her with a stick, the blood and everything else caught on his hand. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, wow. So so after he took her to the woods, he ran back to the school. Mm-hmm. So he would violate her out there, and then he came back to school. Um, wow. So where he went to his locker again, I don't know if he keeps an entire damn wardrobe in there but he went through about four changes of clothes man he must have went to the lost and found i have a question mm-hmm. based on other stories i've seen and information from corners and all that mm-hmm. she was not dead then when he took her to the woods because if she was still bleeding and he was still getting blood on himself she was still technically alive but unconscious that, because that is, once she's dead, she wouldn't bleed anymore. That that's true. I mean, it's it's hard it's hard to say because like I'll give you what the coroner said, what she believes anyway, because the coroner did weigh on weigh in on this uh, in the story. But that is a good point because yeah, you're right. Usually the blood flow stops when the heart stops. Um. So yeah, you're absolutely right. But um, yeah. they have a different. Uh, assumption on what happened but I do believe yours is yours could be right although I it would be crazy if she was judging what the coroner says afterwards but mm-hmm. but, I, but yeah that's a good point um, wow so so he goes again like I said for the fourth time changes clothes he goes into the men's re- restroom right next to the restroom where he killed her and then uh, he comes out in a, like a black outfit like a black hoodie black shorts He's still barefoot at this time because he has to find some more shoes. Um, he goes into the women's restroom and cleans up again some more. So that's like the second time. And then you would see him for a good four minutes on the last part of the video walking through the school nonchalant. I mean, this dude is walking everywhere in, into faculty areas, maintenance areas. But every time the cameras are so clear. You could see his facial expressions. He doesn't look worried. His eyes aren't bright, and he's not like, oh, my God, what do I do now? It's just I don't know if he's just trying to put himself on camera or what, but he's walking through, and he's seen in every part of the school, uh, even where they have the trophies at. And then finally he leaves the school. Um, But as he's leaving, he runs into a couple kids, again, getting ready for soccer. Their parents are dropping them off because it's about 4 o'clock now. And they're like, bro, are we going to see you there? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he just like walks away out of, out of camera. Mm. And um, what happened was he went straight to Cinemark, which was downtown. He purchased a ticket to watch a movie with Colleen's credit card. Then he went to Wendy's 
which is close to that where they found her purse and where her phone last pinged and why last ping there is because he broke the cell phones uh, mm. he broke his and he broke hers so, mm. yeah and he left them right there uh, so they were smashed so getting to what went uh, to what um, uh, Gabby was saying I don't know why I blanked on your name uh, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the coroner's report came out two days later um, the state believed that Colleen was strangled first to death uh, they believed that he that he uh, either either strangled her to where she couldn't, because the, the the point was the stabbings were so vicious. Like they think that he raped her secondary, and then third, the stabbings were so vicious, and to to mainly every jugular and main vein she had in her neck was severed completely. Yeah. Um. So she had to have bled out there. That doesn't make sense though with what Gabby was saying. So I didn't even think of that. But that's what they're saying on the corner report. They were saying it was just so severe that he had to have strangled her first and then stabbed her after he raped her. Because had he tried to um, basically, and they said it was pretty disgusting. Had he tried to strangle her with the the cuts, the severity of the cuts that she had, it might have took her head off. Yeah, it might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's what they were thinking right there. That's how bad it was. I was thinking that too, because if you cut her up that bad and you get a rope or whatever and try to, and you pull in all that pressure, it might just. Yeah. I wonder, could this have been planned though? I mean, how does how this do guy you... have so many changes of clothing? I totally agree. How is he carrying all these? Like, what? she must have been getting in his nerves, and that was just like the cherry on top where he thought, this is it, this, it's today. Well, well, here's the, here's the thing, Gabby, and you're probably a hundred percent right on that, and so is Matt. The thing is, he never talked. He never, he never got into why, or how, or if there was a pre-planning or anything. Didn't. Well, I can understand the changing of clothes because if you have PE, you know, you're gonna have, you know, your gym clothes, and then he had soccer practice, so he probably had his soccer clothes on. And then, you know, you're in high school, you want to dress fresh. So I used to have multiple change of clothes when I was in high school. Who did you want to kill? Yeah, huh? Who did you want to kill? I actually did want to kill one of my teachers. I told my wife about it. There was one teacher. I even threatened him. But it didn't go through. Well, thank God, (laughs) because you're on the show. And you know what's crazy? Sorry, you know, I'm bringing my past. But it ended up... You want to say it in public? <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. It's, it's in the past because because you know what's funny. Um, me and that teacher became really good friends. Like like even after high school, he was he was a really good teacher. But I, but when I first met him, I'm not gonna lie. I even threatened him. I said, "Man, I will." I'm not gonna say. But, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. We 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 did not like each other, but then we ended up good friends. But uh, I didn't do what this guy did. He, I agree. I think he planned it. And that whole Tennessee thing was the last straw. And then the devil entered him and he said, let's do it. Yep. Yep. And for clarification real quick, um, Maddie, Matt, he was in a gang at a time and had a temper. He was much <laughs> different back then. Yeah, it was much, a little different. Then, you know, much you know different. <laughs> he is nowhere close to that Maddie, Matt. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I changed my, uh, I changed my life a little bit around, you know, so, but, um, a little bit, I hope a lot. <laughs> hey, don't you know? Hey, hey, Todd, you know what it is. Everybody got that that side to them. 
Yeah, that's they true. Got that beast in them. <laughs> it's true. Now, here's my thing. As someone who works for the school district, mm-hmm. I find this very uh, shocking, number one, because A, now you said she was a sub, right? She was a substitute? No, she was a sub prior. She just oh, became so, oh, a full okay, time. Okay, okay. All right. Um, I find it shocking because, you know, faculty and students are not allowed to use the same restroom. That's number one. Mm-hmm. So for her to use the restroom that students use, possibly, it, it, it why? Maybe because it was after school and she really had to go. That might have been. That, the I can probably under. That's what I was saying. Maybe I can probably understand that. I could probably understand that, but still, you know, the the, you know, the yeah. safety, you know, aspects of it, we're not allowed to. Number two. As a supervisor for custodians, I know for a fact that high schools have multiple custodians, at least four to five. Mm-hmm. There has to, there had to been somebody on that assignment or on that building one time, you know, in those times that he ran back and forth, somebody had to go in that bathroom stall one time, whether it was a custodian or a student or anyone, somebody had to go into that bathroom from the hours that he went back and forth, minutes, and you tell me, even nobody saw. <laughs> nobody saw. Come on, nobody, nobody saw. Apparently, I mean, at least to the point <clears throat> um, around uh, you know, because he moved her body around three thirty. I think it was gone completely from there. So you mean to tell me she, her body was sitting in there for roughly about thirty six minutes, thirty five minutes? No one saw anything, and then nobody. The, yeah, and then, you're telling me. This little boy is pushing a blue trash bin in the middle of the street. <laughs> yeah. It don't matter. He's still a kid. But still, not questioning somebody taking the trash can from the school. Like, from where the school. Where, going where you that? going, my man? Hey, hey, what are you doing with that trash bin? That's what I'm saying. I'm not disrespecting Boston or Mass or whatever. And I just would like to know why. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, nobody saw or said it or nobody said anything. You're absolutely correct. And that, that's all. Yeah. And that's where the ball was dropped. And again, like it took him an hour to clean that restroom up, you know? So again, there was, there was nothing, uh, you know, and and still the teachers went in there and didn't find anything until the cops went in there and they were, they looked with a fine, you know, you know, police look and were like, Hey, there's blood spatter here. You know, Mm -hmm. something went down right here. Um, because it wasn't just a blood dropper here, you know, you cut your finger or something, you have an accident, whatever. Yeah. This was like splatter, you know. It was, yeah, it was on the ceiling too. I'm yeah. surprised, you know. Yeah, they didn't look at. The, yeah. So, so what happened to this man, old little boy? Well, first off, the 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 city and the neighborhood were completely shocked and devastated because mm. uh, the Danvers people had not thought that a 14 year old let alone just a man in general would be capable of doing this to someone it was very traumatizing for everyone in the school the um our, our boy uh, not billy but his supervisor the chief of police uh 20 years at the point at his job said this was the most horrific um murder he had seen <laughs> sorry i just had to throw that I'm sorry, Billy. um so in, in 2015 philip would go on trial for this case so this was just a few years ago. Um, with all the CC footage, it was undeniable evidence and irrefutable at this point that he wasn't the main perpetrator and the only perpetrator in this offense. Um, mm. So with that being said, 
his defense attorney tried to argue the point that he had a psychotic moment brought on by trauma from leaving Tennessee and his father leaving the family, which not having it got him to take it his anger out on Colleen. Not having it. Yeah, see, you're <laughs> I'm with you on that one too. Um, the state's argument would be like, hey, we gave him a test um, to see if he had any kind of uh, issues mentally, and he passed those without showing the mental problems that usually some would when taking the test uh, or having a psychotic moment prior that would lead him up to uh, something that would maybe have done this. Uh, but they said that just looking at the video, his actions on film showed that it was calculated that mm -hmm. he didn't care mm -hmm. and that it looked like someone that was sane not mm -hmm. insane you know he wasn't mumbling to himself mm -hmm. you no know, he was you know they they just said hey you know what this guy looked like he had all his capabilities right there yep mm -hmm. yep. yep so the prosecution would paint a picture of colleen being 24 years old reaching her goals early in life being well-loved in the community and a total victim when it came to the whole thing. And unfortunately, pictures of what happened to Colleen had to be shown to the jury and mm. the uh, the rest of the people in the court, which brought mm. a, lot of, a lot of people uh, to cry and to a uh, couple of people to pass out um, because they had to show the graphic pictures, obviously. Um, they warned people to look away, but you know how it is. You know, you can't really look away from something like that. Got to see the evidence. Yeah, uh, Peggy, the mother of Colleen, um, was sitting just a row ahead of um, or behind Philip, which Philip's mother, and she got up after they showed the crime scene photos of her own daughter, and in an emotional part in the uh, courtroom when everyone had like just stunned silent, she got up and walked over to Philip's mom and just gave her a hug, and they both cried, and she whispered in her ear, "This is not your fault." And which wow, was, wow, yeah. strong. That's a strong woman right there. Yes, basically. Um, so at this point, Philip is pushing 16 years old. Um, I would have I I I killed that little boy. Oh, I would have killed that little boy. Yeah, I mean, he's he turns into a really hated person at this time. <laughs> um, so he's six, he's almost 16 at this time. The judge like rails him, like goes into this long freaking speech, and he's like. Mm -hmm. I'm going to punish you to the furthest extent of and the most that I could possibly give you, which is charging you for first degree murder or rape for malice and abuse of a corpse and also for uh, theft and taking her stuff and things like that. And he gave him a mandatory 25 years to life with the earliest of the parole that he could come out at would be uh, at the age of 41. Oh, that's too, that's too easy. That's too easy too easy you say huh mm -hmm. well let's uh let's move forward here it's not it, it's almost over but there's a little twist at the end uh -oh. of the story um so just a year later while in custody he's um you know he's still in in juvenile prison until he's 18 so he's not even 18 yet so we're, we're talking uh 2017 almost 2018 mm -hmm. um he's in jail and it's there's it's about lunchtime or whatever and there's there's a few um, classes that are taking place uh, on the side area where they're trying to help youth get their GEDs and get their mm -hmm. diplomas before they, you know, because these are these are these are bad kids that are in there. You know, they've been locked up for certain things. Some of them might be getting released after juvie, or mm -hmm. some may be moving on, like 
like Philip is to uh, county. You know, they're going to move up to county as soon as they turn 18. Um, there was a 41 year old uh, female that was teaching a GED class and she had her back turned to Philip and Philip jumped on her back and grabbed her and pulled her to the ground, began to strangle her and while punching her in the back of the head. <gasps> what? Yeah, it took three security guards and two inmates that she was teaching to pull Philip, who was at this point now 6'3 and 240 off of the five foot uh, tall teacher. Dang. They in, they pretty much saved her life. Um, so later that month, he would go back to court on charges of attempted murder on the teacher and uh, to where he, the judge threw an, an additional 15 years to his parole, which is 40 years now to life for Philip Chisholm, who now resides in Boston's men's county jail uh, at the uh, at this moment, which because obviously he's over 18. So there it is. Wow. And there, ladies and gentlemen, you have a. He still gets parole, though. <laughs> well, he still has the option for parole, but now it, it'll be an extra 15. So he'd be 56 at the earliest he can get parole. Uh, I still don't think it's fair. And you shouldn't have the least possibility, not even 1% chance of getting out yeah he needs to have some nails jammed up his fingernails <laughs> he, he looks like if you see his pictures pre-incident he looks like just an everyday kid you can maybe see where he's maybe you know like to himself type thing but when you see him now the guy's a man like like he's big he's uh you know he's scary looking so uh yeah i mean i <laughs> I would not put my money on him lasting to he gets to parole. I think he's going to do something to somebody in there. Or somebody going to do something to him. Correct. You know them prison rules, Todd. Yeah, there are no no games. (laughs) This guy got an issue with teachers. Or he got an issue with women. Or he hated her that much that now teachers, women teaching reminds him of her and pisses him off. Yeah. Probably so. It sparked something, Gabby, and, and for, for him to do what he did to that teacher was crazy. And like you said, I, I, I don't think it was just a Tennessee comment. I think you're right. I think it was probably an accumulation of things that she may have said that she was, was unassuming to her, but it meant something to him, you know, that type of thing. And he was that messed up that he was just waiting to take it out on somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was an interesting story, Todd. Yeah, and I, and I, I'll put that up there uh, tomorrow, like when I, when I put it on our page and put all the podcast up. Uh, check out, just check out the video. You know, like I said, it's not going to show the killing. It's, uh, um, but it's going to show the timestamps of everything, what happens, and you'll see. Judge for yourself. This is one of those where you could judge for yourself and tell me if this kid's insane, like like the defense was trying to say, because you can't. I mean, you just can't. Based off of what you're telling me, man, no, he wasn't. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he was insane. He's just angry. Yeah, exactly. I mean, two times he had interactions with fellow students, and he seemed fine to them. They didn't question it. Mm-hmm. So, 
it's not like they ran to the cops and were like, "Hey, bro, this uh, this guy's going crazy," you know, like like he's he's mumbling to himself or he doesn't look right, you know. Nobody said anything. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, that's the case. Well, thank you, Todd, for breaking down that story, sir. Someone in prison needs to shove a two or three foot stick up his. Oh, they're gonna give him more. Probably not that much, but they will definitely shove something up him. That would be justice. If you if that would you, be justice. If you were to do that to him, he would be in a colostomy bag for the rest of his life, and I think that'd be fair. Absolutely. Yeah. Man. Well, for the victim of uh, Miss uh, Colin, Colleen, Colleen. Oh man, that's tragic. Yep. I I do blame that. Uh, I'm not going to blame the school for what he did, but I do say that that school, hopefully that they have a little more personnel on the campus to um, watch over students and faculties, you know, especially in those passing periods after school in the hallways where things can go down. So uh, very tragic for what happened to that teacher. With that all being said... Thank you guys for listening in to this show and thank you, Todd, for breaking down that story. Mm-hmm. Out of Boston, Massachusetts. I can never say Massachusetts. You said it pretty good right there. I did. Yeah. It sounded like I said it sounded weird. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh thank you once again. And uh for for you those who didn't hear in the beginning, you can follow our uh page, Grinding True Crime Podcast, on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to hear us on your radio or on your on your earphones when you're jogging go to podbean spotify anchor itunes and pandora and type in grinding true crime and for those listening outside of the country we love the support you can continue to listen to us on podchaser radio public breaker and pocket cast also go to redbubble.com and type in todd fox 80 to support us and buy some merchandise of your grinding true crime cups souvenirs all that stuff as well as um giving us five stars on our page we would definitely appreciate that with all that being said this is your host maddie matt along with our narrator for today todd fox and the other host of the show gabby and we are signing off toodles peace Y'all go down yonder, look at them trees changing colors, and then y'all come back now, you hear?